Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. So friends, with all of these liturgical seasons, there's always little tradition things that that are part of priestly life. And one of those traditional things that happens every Advent, also during every Lent, is that Father Joe and I head over to the school to hear confessions for the uh, day school kids. It's a uh, pretty great tradition, not, not going to lie. It's, uh, it's beautiful. Oftentimes, hearing grade school kids' confessions, is, uh, it's been often described by priests as being stoned to death by marshmallows, is what it can often feel like. That's often what it feels like. But... But earlier this week, I was with some of our middle schoolers, and uh, obviously not breaking any seal, not breaking any confidences. I just, I can't get it out of my mind, the experience that I have with them. It was so unbelievably beautiful. It was so unbelievably beautiful. They did such a good job. It was deep. It was profound. It was, um, it's not what you expect middle schoolers to sound like when they go to confession. They had courage and they were naming things and they were being so honest and raw and vulnerable They're, they weren't sugarcoating things like I just I was so blown away and like afterwards I just I sat in the 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 chapel over in the school and I just I needed a moment to to collect myself because it was just so it was just one of those moments as a priest where you're like this this is what it's all about it was just so real it was just so good and I just kept thinking this like, this delights the heart of Jesus so much. This delights the heart of Jesus so much. This, this kind of repentance, like real repentance, real naming of sins, this is so consoling to the sacred heart of Jesus. You know, I think many of us maybe carry in our own minds this, this idea or this image of Jesus that, like, as we go along through our life, like, as we sin bit by bit, sin here, sin there, that it's as if Jesus like is getting more and more frustrated with us, that he's getting more and more angry, like, the, like his, his fist is getting cocked, like he's just like, man, just one more lie, I swear, right? Like he's just getting more and more disappointed. It was Therese of Lisieux who said this, that the reality is that as we sin, the reservoir of mercy that is the sacred heart of Jesus, she said it's as if it just continues to fill and expand it gets more full and more full of mercy to the point where I think she says it's like it's, he's suffering for how much it's straining and stretching his own heart. It pains him, right? It pains him. Not for anger at us, but it pains him to not yet have a place to dispense and pour out his mercy. That's how this works. You know, in the readings we have this weekend, on the second Sunday of Advent, there there can almost feel, maybe, I don't know if you felt this, but I certainly felt this as I was praying through the readings. It almost feels as though there's this very intense juxtaposition between the first reading and the gospel that we have, right? You've got the first reading, this beautiful reading from Isaiah, right? Where the Lord is giving this incredible message. Comfort. Give comfort to my people, says your God. Right? Oftentimes the prophets have to deliver harsh messages, hard messages, right? railing against the, the leadership, railing against the people, calling them back from their idolatry, their sinfulness. And now here Isaiah gets to, he just gets to say comfort. Give comfort to your people, says your God. That's the first reading. And then 
you jump to the gospel and you're confronted immediately with this this startling figure of John the Baptist out in the wilderness, camel's hair, leather belt, locusts, wild honey, all of these things, and he's crying out, the voice crying out in the desert, repent, prepare the way of the Lord. Comfort, repent. Comfort or repent. Like, which is it, Lord, right? Which is it? Is it this invitation to comfort? Or is it this, like, call to repentance? And the answer, of course, is how often things are in the church. It's both and. The answer is yes to that either or question. The church on the second Sunday, I want to preach what the church is inviting us to reflect on, which is the church, our mother, she wants to give us comfort by calling us to repentance. She wants to give us comfort, for us to experience comfort by calling us to repentance. Because the truth is, like, Deep in our hearts, the, the deepest desire there is that we don't just merely want to appear well. We don't merely want coping mechanisms. We don't merely want to be anesthetized in our suffering or in our own struggle. We don't want mere coping mechanisms for our insufficiencies, our poverty. We, we don't want to merely feel good or appear good. We want to be good. Is there not a desire in you to not just cloak yourself in what appears as goodness, but to actually have real transformation, to actually be good, to be transformed. And for that to happen, for us to experience the comforting love of transformation and mercy, we have to do what those middle schoolers did, which is to say we have to get really honest. We have to get raw. We have to get real and vulnerable and fearless. We have to repent. We have to be open, to open the deep places of our hearts Like, we have to let the Savior save. We have to let him save. We have to let mercy in. We have to clear away the debris, as John the Baptist is saying, as Isaiah says, right? Make straight the paths. Make the highway ready for him. We have to clear away the debris. And the stuff stuff that's in his way, that's blocking his access to you and me, it's not your sinfulness. It's not my sinfulness. The sinfulness is not the problem. That's what he came for. That's what he's aiming at. That's what he's going after. The sinfulness is not the problem. It's not the thing that's in the way. What's in the way is our fear or our pride or our unwillingness to repent, our unwillingness to get honest, our unwillingness to go there, our reluctance, our apprehension of of going to confession or making a real and good and honest confession. Friends, that's what I want to talk about tonight. That's what I want to talk about tonight on the second Sunday. And I want to just share from my heart about this. Because I'm not just one who sits on the other side of the screen. I'm someone who goes to confession. I've become convinced uh, as a priest, I've become convinced that for as long as I live, the, the greatest words that I will ever speak are God the Father of mercies through the death and resurrection of his Son has reconciled the world to himself and poured out the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins. Right, and it, go on, it goes on from there, right, through the ministry of the church. Pardon and peace, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like, don't get me wrong, like, <laughs> standing at the altar, holding the host, and speaking Jesus' words at the Last Supper, like his words over the bread and wine, consecrate again, this is my body, this is my blood. Right? Some days it's, it's you, you tremble to say those words, like, who am I to say those words? But... 
Like, that's amazing. But for me, the consistent awe is, is the prayer of absolution. The prayer of absolution is so powerful. It is so personal. Like, that is Jesus in and through me as this humble minister, in and through me saying those words to this person. Right, this particular prodigal son or daughter who's wandered from home, this lost sheep, like this son or daughter who is dead in sin, who's imprisoned in his or her shame, who's been blinded by guilt, crippled by remorse, right? It's this, in, this person gets set free right in front of me, gets brought back to life, revivified by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like that prayer, that prayer, that prayer is more powerful than when Jesus said to Lazarus, come out of the tomb because on that day, a dead man came back to life, and that is amazing. But in the confessional, dead souls come back to life. Dead souls are revivified by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like those words, it's, <clears throat> it is cosmic in scope. It's, it's something akin to what you see in Genesis, where God, by the sheer power of his word, brings creation into being. And then again, through the sheer power of his words, it's like he does this act of uncreation. Right? Like the sins that we brought into being through our own negligence, through our own willfulness, we speak those to the Lord. And then the Lord, through the prayer of absolution, through the mercy of Jesus, in the person of the priest, he turns them back into nothingness. It's, a, it's an inversion of creation. In my confessional, over here, in the face-to-face -face side, if you've ever gone on the face-to-face -face side, I've got three little icons that sit in front of me. Three beautiful little icons. Two of them I got in the Holy Land, and the third I have no idea where I got, so I don't know. But they're beautiful, all three of them. And uh, the icons... They're, they're there, of course, for the person who's going to confession, but they're there almost more for me to remind me as the confessor, to remind me consistently of what is happening in this place. The first icon, it's, it's an icon of St. Paul. St. Paul, of course, who wasn't always St. Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus. Saul, who was breathing out murderous threats, who was dragging Christians out of their homes, putting down this Christian religion, destroying the church with everything that he had in him, passionately pursuing this objective, running 100 miles an hour in the opposite direction of God's will and God's purposes. And God grabbed a hold of this man, transformed his life, and used him as this incredible instrument to bring about the conversion of the Gentiles. Like buried in the heart of every Saul who walks into that confessional is a Paul. Like look for the Paul, right? That's what the Lord is always reminding me. Look for the Paul, the other icon is, is an icon of the resurrection. And the way that the Byzantine tradition depicts the resurrection of Jesus is you see Jesus descending into hell and he's got his feet straddling the gates of death. His locks and skulls and everything beneath his feet. And he's got one hand held out grabbing hold of a man with a big beard, another hand held out grabbing hold of a woman and he's pulling them both out of these tombs in their iconography, this is Jesus pulling Adam and Eve out of death, out of hell. It's like this is what happens. The good shepherd goes in search of the 99. He goes in search of the last place imaginable to bring them back. The last icon I have is this beautiful image of Christ 
his face. He's crowned with thorns. And there's tears welling up in his eyes. And, and they're not tears of disappointment. They're not tears of disgust. He's not, he's not angry at the person who's looking at him. They're tears of compassion. Right? This is the face of the man of sorrows. And beneath the icon, it says in Latin, Sic Deus Dilexit Mundum. For God so loved the world that he did what? He sent his only son. He sent his only son. Like in that prayer of absolution, like the words, right? He reconciled the world to himself. The whole world to himself. And then he sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, he sends the Holy Spirit among us. For what? For the forgiveness of sins. Like that is the purpose of Pentecost. That's the purpose of the, it's the mission of the, the Holy Spirit is to bring about the forgiveness of sins. To bring the dead back to life, to heal the brokenhearted. And who among us is not brokenhearted? Like, this is Jesus. This is Jesus' mission. He strides into the synagogue of Capernaum and he unrolls the scroll from Isaiah. He says, The Lord has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to bind up their wounds. Who isn't hurt? Who isn't brokenhearted? Who isn't coping? in some way or another. We all are. Every single one of us is hurt, brokenhearted, coping in some way. None of us have been loved perfectly. None of us have been seen or honored or reverenced perfectly. All of us have suffered and been bumped and bruised along the journey of life in some ways bigger than others. But who among us hasn't been ignored or left out or rejected in some way or abandoned in some way or forgotten or Others have been preferred to us or we've been overlooked or made fun of or belittled or set aside. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. Like, life is hard. And like, we who are hurt, we end up so often hurting other people, right? Hurt people hurt people. Wounded people wound people. And the way that we deal with all of that hurt, the way we often deal with all of it is by by choosing our favorite coping mechanisms, our favorite hiding places, which is our sins. Our first parents taught us the strategy from the garden. Hide. And we've been doing it ever since. Like pain that isn't transformed, it just gets transferred to other people. It's not true that time heals all wounds. Jesus heals all wounds. Mercy heals all wounds. And because we often, for whatever reason, because we often get so afraid of doing the actual work of real repentance, deep, real honesty, actual vulnerability, letting ourselves be really seen in confession, we rob ourselves of the comfort of Jesus' mercy, the comfort of his love, the comfort of hearing him say, Go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. So this, beginning Monday of this week, so we got our Advent communal penance service this Monday. We've got a lot of opportunities for confession between now and Christmas. Monday, the Advent communal penance service at 7 o'clock in the church. We'll have a bunch of other priests from other parishes. Of course, Father Joe and I will be in our confessionals. So you can go to other people if you don't want us to hear your confessions. 
But we'll have Monday night, the Advent communal penance service, and then the, the week leading up to Christmas, Monday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, we'll be in the confessionals again those days. In addition to our normal Saturday confession times, which are at 11 o'clock, right? People, people ask all the time, Father, what time do those go till? It's like, they go till when they go till, right? It's funny when we've been in the confessional for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, and then people come in, they feel the need to, to give us an update on the line status. <laughs> Just don't do that. <laughs> There's, that's, that's a rough one. There's like another 30 people out there. That's a beautiful thing. It's a great thing. Don't get me wrong. It's an amazing thing. As your priest, as someone who loves you, as another fellow sinner who has to go to confession all the time, I'm begging you between now and Christmas, give yourself the amazing gift of the comfort that comes through repentance, to take some serious time, to take some serious time to do some deep soul searching, to invite the Holy Spirit to convict you of your sin. Holy Spirit, show me, illuminate it for me. Right? Whenever you go within, don't go within by yourself. Always go within with him. Have the Holy Spirit, have Jesus holding the hand of mercy show you your sin. And if I can invite you to do this too, ask the question, like we've got our sins, think of them as symptoms on the surface level, to ask the deeper question of like, but why, why am I doing this? Like where is this coming from? This anger or this, this lack of patience, where is that coming from? Holy Spirit, show me where is that coming from? Oh, I, I my my parents were divorced when I was really little and like everything was so wildly out of control and I just, I needed to be in control of something. I have this idolatry of control. You confess that too. Let Jesus, let the, the radiation therapy of mercy aim itself at the deep tumor and it slowly shrinks through time. Friends, we're invited to experience the comfort that comes through repentance May we not rob ourselves of the great gift that comes through that. Amen.